On the show today is Darren Norris. Darren is best known for voicing Cosmo on the animated series The Fairly Odd Parents. He can also be seen in Veronica Mars, as well as the recent series I Zombie. So stay tuned for that chat, as well as loads of movie reviews and DVD reviews. Hello and welcome to Benjamin Mayer McKay's Talk To Me. I'm your host, Benjamin, and as I said, joining me on the show today is Darren Norris. Now, uh, Darren's show, The Fairly Odd Parents, has recently been nominated for a Daytime Emmy for Outstanding Children's Animated Show, so firstly, congratulations. And uh, after the, my interview with Darren, I'll be reviewing The Avengers Age of Ultron, as well as a couple of other films, so stay tuned for that. But first, here's my interview with Darren. Enjoy. Welcome to the show, and thank you for joining me today. Ah, uh, my pleasure. Uh, it's delightful to be here. Well, who or what inspired you to become an actor? Oh boy, that's a that's a tough uh, that's a tough question. I think uh, initially, uh, just watching TV, and uh, I was such a TV nut when I was a kid. I would come home and and throw on you know whatever was on, and I grew up in Northwest Washington State. So we got Canadian broadcast feed, so I got to see Monty Python and all the old silent movies and all of the other uh, stuff that they ran. So uh, I, I just always, always wanted to do it. Mm. So can you talk us through your career journey? Uh, sure. Where do you want to start? Right at the beginning. So maybe training <laughs> or... Oh, gosh. Wow. I did a lot of theater uh, as, a, as a youngster and... Uh, a little bit in college, and then I moved to LA to pursue it, uh, and just did more theater and improv, and eventually got an agent, and then started working in uh, on-camera commercials uh, and the odd TV show here and there. And uh, I worked at uh, oh god, I've done everything. Uh, I worked at Universal Studios for four and a half years, doing three different shows. Um, and, uh, uh, boy, oh boy, oh boy. And eventually, uh, sort of fell backwards into voiceover, uh, when my on-camera agent said, you have a really interesting voice, have you, you should think about doing it. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. And then that led to, uh, some general, uh, general interviews, uh, with animation casting directors and boom, here you go. Mm. Well, I have to say, I wasn't quite sure what to expect your normal talking voice to be because you've done so many fantastic voices. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I, I never get to use this voice. <laughs> so, <laughs> the only one. It's the only one they won't let me use. Yeah. So was there one project or experience you saw as a turning point for your career? Uh, oh, boy, oh, boy. I didn't know it right away, but I think uh, the obvious answer to that is uh, uh, Fairly Odd Parents. When that got picked up, that was a, that was a big, big show. And it just got bigger and bigger and better and better. And we kept doing more and more episodes. And we've had two wrap parties now, meaning the show's been done twice, but uh, it keeps coming back. And we're uh, actually recording season 10 right now. Uh, we recorded an episode today, this morning. Wow. It proves how popular yeah. the show is. It just can't go away. You can't kill it. You can't kill it. <laughs> so what would you say has been your favorite project to work on so far? Oh, that's wow. That's uh, that's also very tough. It's impo you know that we've had so much fun doing Odd Parents for so long now. We had so much fun doing Tough Puppy. Uh 
I think the I think the most fun I ever had uh, on a project was Team America World Police, just because the first I, the first two days uh, it was uh, Matt and Trey and myself recording the entire script, and which they completely rewrote later. But those two days were probably the funniest days of my life because uh, they are they're literally the funniest people I've ever met. That certainly would make the work much more enjoyable. So how do you find working in a voice studio as opposed to being able to use your physicality playing an on-screen role? Wow! Uh, I've done both for a long, long time. And I think that the differences are so vast, it's almost like a completely different thing. Mm. Uh, it's an entirely different discipline. Voice acting is... You have a script in front of you. You're very, very free. There's some technique involved, but uh, it's it goes very quickly. When we recorded the, this episode today, in about an hour and a half, so it's a, it's a very quick experience. And uh, on camera work is, a, a, like I said, completely, utterly different. There's hair, makeup, wardrobe wardrobe fittings, uh, makeup testing, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so there's all of that involved. And then once you're working, really, you know, most of what you do is, is wait. Uh, and, and it's very, very technical. This, this is your mark and you have to hit it here and you have to hit it at this certain point and then you pick this up and then, you know, uh, so it is, it's, it's a completely different discipline. Mm. So which would you say is your favorite? Uh, you know what? I've been asked that many times, and I and I it's it's uh, I don't have a favorite. I I love what I'm doing when I'm doing it. If that makes sense. Yeah, that does. For, to me, it's about the work, and it doesn't really matter what the medium is. To okay. me, I'm just going to bring as much as I can to the party, no matter what that project might be. All right. So in terms of preparation, then, do you, is there do you have a different preparation method before doing a voice project as opposed to an on-screen project? Yeah, well, I think uh, typically for a television show or a, or a film, your call time is about two hours before they're actually going to need you. So you have a lot of time in the makeup chair, in the trailer, whatever, to memorize and go through stuff uh, and do that. Uh, and with voice work, if it's in the morning, it's all about just getting warm. And to me, that's uh, turning the radio on, singing, uh, humming, doing whatever, just to just to get you know the pipes warmed up. Mm. But I don't do any real uh, performance preparation. Okay. So have you ever had to do any specific training for any of the roles you've played? Oh, boy. Um, I don't think I've, I've ever had to have any specific training uh, or anything. I've done some, but very, very, very little. Uh, I'm not a good student, let's put it that way. Uh my my attention span is very brief, and uh, I, I haven't had to, oh, learn to ride a motorcycle or, or learn to ride a horse for this role. That that hasn't happened. I hope it will, because then I'll get to do something, you know, different. But uh, but no, I haven't had to actually, you know, the, I, the only instance I can think of is when an agent called me and said, hey, can you do a Richard Nixon impression? And I went, I don't know. Let me work on it. They said, okay, well, if you get it done, call this number, and I called the number, and I ended up getting the job. So sometimes... You don't know what you can do until someone asks you. Mm, about experimentation, really. Exactly, yeah. I, I hadn't thought of it and uh, ended up getting the job. So, 
All right. So what would you say is the most difficult role you've ever played? Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't think it's one role. It's uh, it's the show. It's Fairly Odd Parents. <clears throat> because sometimes well, I play Cosmo, uh, I play Timmy's dad, and I play Jorgen von Strangle, and then all of the their anti-fairies. So there have been scripts, uh, and it's it's a gas. It's an absolute blessing but i will literally be talking to myself in different characters for pages at a time <laughs> so just keeping it straight in your head and keeping what character is this and blah 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 and switching the voices up uh i think that's probably the most difficult because it takes your complete focus mm. you're acting in a vacuum so uh all you have is your instrument and uh so that's probably the most difficult but it's also the most rewarding so all right. Now I do want to talk about that show a little bit later on, but now a lot of your All voice, right. uh, you, a lot of your voice work has been for TV, but you've also done voices for video games. What's that recording process oh, yeah. like? Is it as onerous as everyone says it is? Oh, I don't think so. I mean, you have to know going in that it's just going to be you. It's just going to be you for maybe four hours, and you, you know they're going to get every every little. Uh, every little noise they can out of you for those four hours. It is, it's, uh, it's almost lonely at times because there's nobody else in the room, whereas in animation, have other people play off, et cetera, et cetera. So. Mm. Now, uh, you did mention the Fairly Old Parents quite a bit, and that's been running for nearly 14 years now. Did you ever think that when you did the voices for the show in 2001, you'd still be recording episodes and TV movies today? Oh, 2001 is when it aired. We recorded that stuff. <laughs> we we did the original seven-minute pilot episode, I think, in 1999. It was just when two, in 2001 where they, they picked it up as a show. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So that's been like 16 years now. Mm. Uh, no. No idea. No clue. It's just impossible to think that you could still be doing that show. Yeah. And have the voices for any of those characters evolved or changed a little bit, I suppose, as you've got a bit oh, older? Oh, yeah, yeah, and... yeah. Uh, Cosmo specifically... <laughs> yeah, Cosmo started off basically as a Phil Hartman impression. Uh, he was very, you know, ooh, we're magic, ooh, uh, uh, kind of car salesman-y and, uh, and slick and smart. And so that's been a complete turnaround to go from... Uh, don't worry, Jimmy, I'll take care of it for you. To go from that to, you know, I can't find my wand! It's really, it's a complete change. And, and the dad character also was very low-key. He was sort of Ward Cleaver. Well, Jimmy, that's that's how we see things, and that's how you do it. And now he's a complete nut job, you know. <laughs> so a lot of change, so, then. Is that written into the script for you as well, or is that just something you add? No, that, that I think that was a necessary part of the when you go from just a little pilot episode to a big series, they need to, sometimes they need to revamp the characters themselves. And they say, Oh, you know what? We don't have a, we kind of need a, a silly person in the show. And we don't have that. So we're going to make Cosmo that and make him sort of the not so bright character in the show. And the dad character was fun when it was low key, but they said, but again, they said, it'll be more fun if we really amp him up and make him, you know, super hyper crazy all the time, uh, lunatic. So, 
but it was specifically a, a choice on the on on the uh, on behalf of the creator and the writers. The, not, none of those were my choices. Okay, so you've also done a couple of TV movies for that show now. Does that create an entirely different atmosphere for the characters? Uh, those were fun. I had a blast doing those I, uh, because I got to do the role on camera that I've been voicing for, you know, 15 years or whatever. Mm. So that was a hoot for me. Uh, and I don't think people knew what, what to expect uh, because I got to be as big and broad and crazy uh, on camera as it is as as I am in the uh, in the booth. So for me, it was an absolute hoot. I, I absolutely loved it. And did it all come out as you'd imagined it? Because I suppose being an animated series, you would have pictured the characters in real life in some degree when doing the voices. So did it look as you thought it would? Uh, yeah, I think, well, the the fairies are still uh, animated. They're mm. CGI animation in those uh, TV movies. And But the, but the casting that they did uh, on the other characters was fantastic. Just fantastic. Uh, man. Um, yeah, I would think that and the whole look of the show looks right to me. It looks like a cartoon, really. Mm. So I suppose you're recording season 10 now. Is there a future for the TV movies as well? Uh, I don't know. Uh, that's a good question. Um, I would think so. I think they've done really well. Uh, we've certainly had a, a, a blast doing them. So I would hope so, yeah. If, uh, if they're up for it, I am up for it. Mm. Well, now you did mention a little bit earlier on that there are some moments where you're having conversations with yourself. What kind of discipline is involved to remember what voices you're doing when and I suppose how the characters should be reacting to each other when it's all just you? That's where you're, That's where the preparation comes in. We, we do get, uh, not all the time, but uh, on certain shows, we do get scripts beforehand, usually a day, sometimes two days beforehand. So that's when that preparation work really comes in, and I and I I mean I go meticulously go through scripts no matter what the project is before I get in the in the recording booth. So, uh, so to really prepare yourself, make a different notations as to which character is which. Uh, I don't use uh, highlighters; I use symbols next to the line so I know whose line it is, and I can see. All right, oh that's a you know that's a, a lowercase c, so I know it's Cosmo coming up, or I know that you know. Uh, so a lot of that is in, in the preparation. Mm. So obviously The Fairly Old Parents is a long-running animated series. How many shows like that have you been involved in where they run for more than 10 years? Oh, that's it. That's it? <laughs> that's it, yeah. Um, so yeah. is working... Just, on... I, know, I know some other shows. I know SpongeBob is still going, and uh, obviously The Simpsons is in their 400th season or something like that. But uh, it's rare. It's rare to have a cartoon, especially... Uh, a, what I would say is a is a, a you know a cable cartoon uh, that's not prime time. It's very rare to have a show run as long as as we've been running. Mm. So, is working on a long running animated series easier or more challenging than recording a one off character for an animated show? Oh boy, um, <clears throat> I think in some ways it's easier. It's easier because we all we know each other so well. We all know the characters so well. So. It's easy. The rhythm we have for that show is unique to that show, and and we never lose it. We, uh, we evidence today. It's this, you know, uh, it goes so quickly because we know the characters so well. On a new show, wow, could be totally opposite. You might uh, struggle for an hour trying to nail down the voice that you know everyone agrees on, and the oh yeah, we're gonna go with that. 
Uh, and you might, you know, you might record a certain line of dialogue 10, 20, 30 times before everyone sort of agrees that that's, uh, that's the read and that's, uh, and that's how it should be done. So I think, yeah, it's definitely easier to go home to a show than it is to create a brand new show. Hmm. So what would you say in the animated world has been one of the most memorable experiences you've had working in the voice recording studio? Oh boy, that goes back to Team America, uh, working with the, <laughs> with Trey Parker and Matt Stone, uh, having them read all of the other characters and me just reading my one character so they could have a, a temp track. Uh, but those that was two days of absolute hilarity. Sounds like a lot of fun. Oh yeah. So, in the animated world, you've been involved in some pretty iconic series, including at one stage voicing Batman himself. Does working on more well-known series change the way you approach the work? Um, well, in some ways, I, it depends on the show. Uh, we did a great uh, Spider-Man series, uh, and I got to voice J. Jonah Jameson for that. And they, they, I mean, they pulled all the stops on that. The voice cast for that show was amazing. Uh, it, just, it was just fantastic, so... I don't think it changes your technique or anything, but, uh, and it obviously a Spider-Man cartoon is, is worlds away from fairly odd parents or tough puppy or any of the big crazy shows. So, uh, it's a, it is a lot more realism and it's a lot grittier and, uh, you know, <clears throat> Hmm. I mean, when you're playing a character like that in Spider-Man, I mean, did you use the films or the comic books as inspiration? Do they give you any basis because the character is so well-known? There, Well, there have been so many uh, versions of Spider-Man cartoons. Basically, I really liked uh, uh, one of the original guys, the original voices from the, uh, from the early cartoon that I grew up with. Uh, and I, and, uh, and J.K. Simmons has fantastic and i think he's done it he's done a series as well as well as the films so uh so yeah it, it's always based on uh, on a previous re- uh it's based on a previous performer when you're working on something that's been around for a long time like that yeah mm. now and sometimes they want a dead-on voice match so does that make your job easier or harder when they want an impersonation oh it's a bit of both i think in some ways, it's easier because if you, I mean, if, if the impression is good and it's in your wheelhouse and, you, and you've been doing it for a while, then, uh, then I think that's, that's a lot easier. If you're, if you're trying to do an impression of somebody that you may not be great at, then ooh, good luck. <laughs> yeah. Now, a lot of people would know you from your on-screen acting playing Cliff in Veronica Mars. What was the audition process oh, like yes. for the show when it started? Oh, boy, oh, boy. Uh, Rob Thomas, the creator of the show, had me in mind for the role, but they wanted they, they shot the show in San Diego, so they wanted to get a local San Diego actor. Then they don't have to pay an L.A. actor to uh, either drive down or be driven down and stay in the hotel. And blah, blah. It's just a lot more expensive. And uh, uh, so even though Rob had written the role with me in mind, the, he had to audition other people in San Diego and... Fortunately, they didn't find anyone they liked, but I did have to go in and read and uh, uh, a couple of times. So, uh, so uh, yeah, that was uh, that was interesting. Yeah, yeah, quite an interesting way for a role that was actually written for you. 
Yeah, well, it written with me in mind. It wasn't, you know, yeah. there was no guarantee, so. There never is in the acting industry. No, 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 no. So what was the experience like working on Veronica Mars? Uh, that was, for me, it was terrific because uh, I would usually shoot maybe two days out of the week. I'd have a couple, maybe two, three or four scenes. Uh, so in my case, as compared to Kristen or Rico or the, or the regulars on the show who were there, you know, 14, 16 hours a day, it was fun for me because I'm just sort of coming in and doing some comic relief in a couple of scenes. The, the, the other re- reason it was fun, I was shooting Ned's Declassified, uh, Veronica Mars, and recording Fairly Odd Parents and other cartoons and other radio stuff all at the same time. It was all a three-year span that we did all of those projects at once. That's got to be a crazy time. I mean, how do you have a life while being that involved in the acting industry? <laughs> I couldn't care less. It was the, uh, I've heard it said that you only get one heyday, uh, but this feels like a heyday that just keeps going and going and going. But uh, I look back on those times really fondly because I was extremely busy. And, uh, and that's fun. Again, for me, it's about the work. I enjoy the work. Mm. Got to. Otherwise, there's no point in being in this industry. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. So did you or any of the cast predict the show's popularity when you were shooting the first few episodes? No, um, that was such a, I think that was, um, it was, it was really not dicey, but we, uh, there was no way to predict, you know, a response. And I think the lead, the, Veronica Mars, Kristen Bell herself is a, it's a very different character, uh, as Rob has described it as, uh, you know, teenage girls usually, uh, are almost consumed with how other people view them and how what other people think of them. And that's not, not in a bad way, but, and he wanted to write a strong female character who really did not care one whit about what anyone thought about her. Hmm. Very clever so, character. Yeah. Okay. So could you describe for our listeners an average shooting day for yourself on Veronica Mars? Oh, do 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 do. Um, let's see. I would usually, depending on the call time, I would drive down the night before, uh, and uh, because the call times are usually very early, and it's a two-hour drive from uh, from L.A. to San Diego, so if your call time is 6.30, you don't really want to get up at 3.30 and then drive for two hours, and then, you know... No, that'd be tough. That. So, yeah, I would usually go down the night before and uh, just sort of relax and... Uh, uh, but the day starts, all days start usually, uh, in makeup, hair and makeup. Uh, there's, eh, for that show, maybe half an hour for me. It was, there was not a lot of, uh, lot to do. Uh, get into your gear, your wardrobe, and, uh, um, uh, boy, oh boy. An average day. It's really tough to say because some of the days were very short for me and, and other days were very, very long. I remember getting... It was the week before Thanksgiving, and uh, we've been shooting for a long, long time. It was very late Friday night, maybe even into Saturday morning, and uh, uh, we just got we got the giggles, you know. We mm. just everybody was sort of giddy and and loopy, and uh, we just got the giggles and couldn't pull it together for a while. So, I mean, does that happen a lot on set when you've been working on shows for a couple of years and you're quite friendly with the cast? Yeah, I think so. I think it happens more as the show goes on and you get more comfortable with people. So, so when you surprise them or, you know, do, <laughs> or do something that they're not expecting, 
that it's it's maybe easier for them to laugh and and sort of relax a bit. Yeah. Now I can hear in your voice that there's obviously some sort of moment that you're thinking of. Are there any of those that you could share? Oh boy. Oh yeah, well, I can tell the turducken story. You know what a turducken is? I I believe I do. Maybe just explain it for our listeners. Alright, well, it was, again, this is the same story about uh, why we started laughing on Veronica Mars. So, it's the week before Thanksgiving, and uh, Enrico Colantoni and uh, Kristen Bell and I are, are waiting to shoot this scene. And so, Enrico asked Kristen if she has uh, Thanksgiving plans, and she said, oh yes, we're doing this, we're doing that. Uh, and uh, I think Rico said, oh, I'm going to do a tur- turducken. And, which is a, a chicken inside of a duck inside of a turkey mm-hmm. so so i made a sound and he said what you don't like turducken and i said i don't need i don't need anything that starts with turd <laughs> and for some reason that got him giggling and that got me giggling and then we did we couldn't get it back for for quite a while yeah <laughs> uh, so a bit of a longer day working on set then yeah it's you know it's one of those it's late it's it's probably not that funny but at the time it sort of took the it took our Cut us out at the knees. It can happen. So now you worked on both the film and the TV series Veronica Mars. Was there a different vibe on the film? Uh, the <clears throat> I would say the vibe on the film was uh, everyone was so excited to be there. Everybody was so delighted to be a part of this. And we all worked for scale. We all, especially and Kristen and, and Rob and the things they did to get this project off the ground, absolutely amazing so uh, i think for the most part it was just pinch yourself because we get to do this this feature now so do you know of any of the things that you or any of the other cast members did to help get the film happening oh boy um i think just uh just Kristen's desire to do it mm. you know if without her there obviously there's no movie obviously and, not uh, but her desire and, and her, you know, and she never, she never lost faith in that project. And, and, and at points, I know Rob has said this in interviews too, but, but he thought, well, we're done. This is never going to get made. And she would always tell him, don't give up. Don't give up. We're going to do this. Well, well, that's the kind of attitude you've got to have when you want to make a project happen. Yeah. And, uh, really between the two of them, they did. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now you're working again with Veronica Mars creator Rob Thomas on his new TV show, I Zombie. Could you explain yes. the premise of the show for our listeners who don't yet know about it? Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a really interesting premise. Uh, uh, the, the female lead, uh, played by Rose McIver, uh, uh, the New Zealander, uh, she is zombified, uh, but she's not a brainless, shuffling zombie. She's, she has her wits about her, and she works for the... Uh, coroner's office the medical examiner so she has access to brains uh which keep her from becoming all zombified so uh but when she uh, when she digests these brains of these cadavers she gets visions and takes on their personality traits uh and ends up helping the uh, police force uh find out how these people died but quite a clever concept there and a very different yeah, take on very, the zombie very, thing yeah it's very clever and it's not you know, it's 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 definitely not The Walking Dead, and it's definitely not Veronica Mars. <laughs> Maybe it's a cross between the two of them. I think so, yeah. 
Now, you were in the pilot that aired a couple of weeks ago now. Would you say there's any difference filming a pilot where so much rides on it as opposed to a regular episode of the show? Uh, absolutely. First uh, first and foremost, the pilot is uh, much more expensive. Everything's new. The sets have to be built. The costumes have to be prepared. The makeup. I'm, I'm wearing a, my favorite set of false teeth in that show. That has to be done. So it's just it's a very expensive process. Uh, for someone to greenlight uh, a pilot, and uh, and that's all it was at the time. So uh, it takes longer to shoot. It's usually uh, like a two week process for a, for a pilot shoot, uh, single camera. So um, yeah, everybody's new. We have you know for the most part we haven't worked together. So there's you know sort of that whole feeling out process and uh, reclicking with these people and all of that. So, yeah, it's very, it's very different. Mm. So when can our listeners watch iZombie on TV? Oh, boy, it's on, uh, here is, it's on the CW, uh, Tuesday nights after The Flash. I have no idea where else it might be running. Um, but well, check, uh, check CW.com, I think. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll put they a link be... in, the, in the show notes so our listeners can have a look. Yeah, I mean, they may be streaming episodes there. I'm not sure. Uh, and I'm not sure when it would will or may be released uh, internationally. Mm. Well, I suppose Netflix has hit the whole world now, I think. So maybe Netflix yeah, is a great yeah. medium to get that to the rest of the world. <laughs> exactly. Now, I suppose you've worked in quite a few shows that are rather cult-based. Have you ever had any strange encounters with fans of your work? Uh, I wouldn't say strange. They 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 have happened in in uh, odd places. Uh, uh, when we were doing Ned's, which was very very popular with the with the you know, teenagers, and uh, I remember coming out of the dry cleaners, and there was a family standing outside on the sidewalk, just sort of grinning. <laughs> and I, went, <laughs> I saw that they had kids, and I went, "Oh, I'm in trouble." And they said, "Are you the guy?" I said, "Yeah, yeah." So that was fun, just unexpected, you know. And then I was in Las Vegas for my uh, my friend Jack Thomas's uh, bachelor party. We had this fantastic meal, and we're waiting outside uh, to get a taxi or the valet or something. And there's another family there <laughs> with their kids, just sort of staring and uh, and grinning, and uh, uh, so just almost the same situation. So in places where you wouldn't really expect it. Yeah. So have you done uh, any of the sort of the comic cons or the the fan conventions yet? And what do you find those like? Uh, I have done Comic Con a few times. Uh, it's it's sort of mind blowing. There's so many people there, and uh, they're so uh, the the fans are just amazing. They really are amazing, and I know that it's got to be enormous fun for them. Uh, it's a it's a it's a great time. It's a it's a really fun time. Yeah, it's a little overwhelming for me, but but it's still it's a really great time. Yeah. Okay. Well, how would you say the industry has changed since you first became involved in it? Boy, oh boy, oh boy. Well, first of all, uh, here we used to have Saturday morning cartoons, and that's gone. They don't run cartoons on Saturday mornings anymore. Uh, Netflix, as you mentioned, and uh, uh, I'm sure other providers uh, have changed things a little bit. I'm doing a show uh, for Netflix now called Turbo Fast, uh, which is uh, a DreamWorks project. Uh, it's a, a series that's done uh, a spinoff from the from the film, 
And uh, that's only on Netflix. That's the only place you can get it. So that's interesting. Uh, it's, a, it's a lot of fun. The writing is great. The cast is great. Uh, but it's strange to not say, hey, watch this at 4 p.m. <laughs> because you can watch it anytime you want. So. Mm-hmm. so what would you say has been the highlight of your career so far? That's impossible. At this point, it's impossible for me to say. It, it's all just been one big highlight. It's uh, I've been very fortunate and uh, to have shows, uh, multiple shows on camera and cartoons and voiceover run for many, many years and many, many seasons. So, like I said, uh, they say you only get one heyday. This just feels like an ongoing heyday to me. Well, I suppose that's the best way for it to be. Better than no work at all. Oh yeah. So yeah, what? I think last last week I spent two days on camera, did four cartoons and three radio spots. Well, that's you know living no. living the actor's <laughs> life. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> so, what current or upcoming projects do you have that our listeners can look forward to seeing or hearing you in? Uh, boy, oh boy! Well, the Turbo Fast show that's on Netflix—that's very they're a very funny show. Uh, we're in our second season recording right now. Uh, these new episodes of Fairly Odd Parents are going to be fantastic. I'm not sure when they will start airing. Uh, the iZombie show is very clever, very good writing, uh, excellent show. Uh, boy, oh boy, oh boy. Um, a lot, there's a lot going on. Now, there's also a new show for Nickelodeon called 100 Things to Do Before High School, uh, where I will be playing a janitor again, (laughs) (laughs) which is a blast. Uh, it hasn't aired yet. I think it'll air on Nickelodeon sometime in June. It'll start in June, but I don't come into the show until uh, later on in the process. So okay, well, people will stay tuned. So looking forward, where I do you? Hope so. Yeah. So uh, looking forward, where do you see yourself in five years' time? Uh, retired in a tropical locale. <laughs> <laughs> California doing what I love and as long as they'll let me keep doing it yeah mm-hmm. well got to be dedicated to the craft yeah I just you know I love it I love what I do so well why stop exactly I think, if you, I think it, uh, I, Jerry Seinfeld was being interviewed and uh, he said why do you keep doing this you know you've conquered TV and all the stand-up and all this other stuff and now he has that uh, comedians in cars getting coffee uh, which is very very popular and uh, you know this so the question was, you know, why do you keep doing this? Uh, obviously, you don't need the money, blah, blah, blah. And I thought his answer was brilliant. I'm going to steal it, which is uh, if you get if you are rewarded for doing something you love and and, and uh, the minute you stop doing it, you're done. The mm. minute, in other words, if, if you don't keep giving it back and keep giving whatever talents you have and using them then yeah, you're, you're sort of done. And, uh, and that would be sad. It would be, it would be very sad. Now, finally, what advice would you offer to anyone looking to work in the performance industry? Oh boy, oh boy. Uh, first of all, my, my, the best advice I have is a little quote that I have in a, in a notebook here. And it says, every calling is great when greatly pursued. I like that. That that's good. Yeah, I'm sort of lived by that. Uh, that if you truly have a passion to uh, to perform, to be a performer, 
uh, you know, I've handed out flyers on, uh, <laughs> on city streets uh, promoting shows. Uh, I've done Renaissance festivals. I've done children's theater. I've done professional theater, but uh, traveling shows. Uh, so, uh, you know, I've, I've just, I've pursued it, uh, to all lengths and, uh, unless you're, you know, a genius or incredibly beautiful, it's probably not going to pay off uh, immediately. Uh, but there are those people. So, um, and there are geniuses and I, I've certainly worked with them. So, uh, but to me, it's all about perseverance and, uh, and never giving up on doing what you love. Well, thank you for your very wise words and your time today. Oh, my pleasure. Right out. Well, I've, I've really enjoyed. I've really enjoyed this, and uh, and thanks very much, and uh, and thanks to all of the people who watch these shows. If you know, if uh, if we don't have an audience, obviously there is no show. That is very true. Well, thank you once again, and see you next time. Thank you. Have, have a great day. You too. Bye. That was my chat with actor Darren Norris. Now, I have been able to check out The Avengers Age of Ultron recently, as well as a couple of other films. Now, I have to say I was concerned going to see Avengers Age of Ultron, as the first one was so great, and it's very rare that uh, a director and writer can replicate the same level and same quality as the first film, but I had nothing to worry about. The film is a great superhero movie, with a superb cast, a strong script, and superb visual effects, so I do encourage you all to see Avengers Age of Ultron, which is out in America on May 1st. It's uh, already playing in other cinemas around the world. And uh, I saw that thanks to uh, Walt Disney Entertainment. A movie I saw last night was Clouds of Sils Maria. Now, this sublime film captures the essence of real life using characters that are both relatable and empathetic, and it's absolutely superb. It's been playing at various film festivals for the last year, but it's finally getting a general release in Australia, as well as other countries around the world. It opens Friday in the US, and it opens uh, Thursday in Australia at selected cinemas, so I do encourage you to see that. And I was able to check that out thanks to Nixco Promotions. And thanks to one of my supporters at Palace Nova Cinemas, I was able to see Black Sea. Now, uh, Jude Law really does shine in this indie-style action thriller, and the cinematography is fantastic. The cast offers a superb performance, and uh, the music is also fantastic. However, the script could have been slightly improved, but it's an action thriller with a real heart that turns into more of an indie film, which is kind of appropriate for film festivals, but I still enjoyed that one. So all three movies I'm the, I've reviewed on the big screen this month have been fantastic. Now, I do have a couple of DVD releases thanks to Madman Entertainment. I recently checked out Murder, She Wrote Seasons 1 and 2. Now, I've always been a fan of this show, and being able to relive them on the DVD is fantastic. Angela Lansbury is sublime. Now, obviously, the show is a little bit dated. She writes on a typewriter, you know, goes around by a bicycle, but there is something so charming about the show uh, that you can't help but love, and Angela Lansbury's Emmy-winning performance is is absolutely incredible, and I uh, and season one and two are fantastic. Now, I've never actually seen the full, the full uh, complete 12 seasons, but uh, as Mad Men have released seasons one to four. I'll be back next episode reviewing seasons three and four as well. So I do encourage you, if you love crime drama or anything with the old and charming, uh, the show is certainly one for you. And it really does. It, it transcends the ages and I'm sure young and old will love it. And also thanks to Roadshow Entertainment, I have the pleasure of seeing St. Vincent. Now, uh, this movie... 
I think I expected a laugh out of that comedy, and it's not quite that. However, it is a very heartwarming and touching film that I do recommend uh, you seeing. Melissa McCarthy, I'm not sure if she's quite the right choice, but the, the rapport between the young child and Bill Murray is absolutely superb, so I do encourage you to check that out from Roadshow, and I'll be back with more Roadshow Entertainment reviews next month. So don't forget to support all of our supporters, Madman Entertainment, Roadshow Entertainment, Palace Nova Cinemas, and Mad Zombie Collectibles. All of their details are available in the show notes. As of next month, Benjamin Mamekay's Talk To Me will be a year old. To celebrate that during the month of May, I'll be releasing one episode only, which is a best of episode, but it will also feature new reviews, uh, so that you will still be able to you get a best of the last year, as well as some new reviews to keep you updated with what to see and what to avoid. But then, in June, we'll be back with some more interviews for you. But until then, I've been your host, Benjamin Mamikay. See you next time.